It's our last large group, guys, of this semester for Yonse. Okay, and so my message tonight is going to be uh, pretty simple and pretty short. So I'm pretty confident that this will be done in under like 20 minutes. So I'll see if I can get it done. This is this is because um one we just did this activity like or they just prayed for people. But also uh, I'm gonna ask you guys to do something at the end. So there's a reason why it's gonna be short. But um yes. But first, let me preach the word. All right. So how many of you were at New Philly Retreat? Raise your hand. You feel the retreat, many of the room. Okay, so later before announcements, or right when announcements starts, we're going to play the video. So those of you guys that were not at New Philly, you can watch the recap video here. Our very own Heju. Heju created this video. It's, it's very, very good. Yes, and so we'll, we'll play that. But at the retreat, uh, Pastor Marcus spoke about the rhythm of rest, right? This was a Sunday morning, the very last session sermon. He spoke about the rhythm of of rest and how God already set apart a rhythm of rest and how we can enter into his rest by this rhythm, right? And so who remembers what the rhythm of rest is? Raise your hand. Okay, you can just say it. Preparation, rest, and dominion. Okay, preparation, rest, and dominion. That is the rhythm of rest. And so I'm not going to re-preach the sermon. So if you guys want to listen to it, check it out on our Facebook page or YouTube channel. But um, yes, that's his sermon. But tonight, I'm going to talk to you guys about the rhythm to maturity. All right? So now, I was debating if I should call this sermon Rhythm of Maturity, the Rhythm of Maturity. But I don't want to copy him because I know he's going to make fun of me in the office. And so, uh, today's title is just going to be The Keys to Maturity. So if you're taking notes, it's very simple. The Keys to Maturity. All right? It sounds a little lame, but I don't want to copy him. All right? All right. So let, let me pray before we begin. If you guys can close your eyes, let me pray. Uh, Father, I thank you, God, for the word uh, that you set apart for tonight. And Father, I pray, God, that more than anything, um, God, that it be your very words that pierces their hearts, God, that every student's heart that is in this room, God, that um, the word would go through, God, and really penetrate, God, and it really change them, Lord. And Father, we just pray, God, um, yeah, for tonight, that is, as it's our last large group, may it be one that is memorable, may it be one that, uh, yeah, that we can look back on and be like, dang, that was good. It was a good ending, Lord. So, Father, I thank you, God, for this time. I thank you, God, for the word. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, if you guys can open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Or look it up on your smartphones, as everyone is doing. <laughs> Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5. 3 through 5. All right, so I'm going to read it in the ESV. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, right? Or in the King James Version, I'm going to read it, says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Yes, I said worketh. That's the King James Version. All right. Okay, so now Apostle Paul, in this passage, he does not use the word maturity, nor does he explicitly say these are the things that lead us to maturity. Right? It doesn't say that, but this is what I propose to you guys, having read and studied this passage, and having uh, yeah, studied it for the past, like, I'm not going to say how long. <laughs> right, what I submit to you tonight is there is a pattern 
that God uses to lead us towards maturity, and I believe it is found in this passage, okay? Right? And so the keys to spiritual maturity are suffering, endurance, character, and hope, okay? But if you read in the KJV, the reason why I bring up the King James Version is I'm going to use it a lot throughout the day, about tonight, okay? In the King James Version, it's tribulation, patience, experience, and hope, okay? So those are the four keys. But before I get into those four keys um, that I believe will lead us towards maturity, I want to explain that or what maturity in the Christian context means, right? I don't want to just throw this word around, right? Maturity, this is what we want. This is what we want. If you don't know what maturity is, I don't know how we can attain it. How are we going to attain something we don't know, right? And so we always see a purpose to something uh, that is in goal to something. We won't want to take the steps to get there, right? So uh, I'm going to use an example. If, if I have a group project I have to do, I know this kind of is going to resonate with everyone because everyone in here has group projects, right? So if there's a group project that I got to do, right, I don't, end this, and I don't understand the goal, right, the end goal. Like, why do I have to uh, study this topic I don't want to study? Why do I have to meet with these people that I don't like? Why do I have to research and spend all this time with them and present something? Why do I need to do this, right? If you don't know the end goal, the purpose of your group project, then you're going to go through it very grumbling, right? Right? But if you guys know, okay, uh, the end goal to this group project is I need to get an A on this group project because if I don't get an A on this group project, I'm going to fail this class because I failed every other exam. Right? That is the goal to pass this class. Then you're going to go through this group project with a better attitude. You're going to go through it and do your best, right? Because you need to pass this class. Right? Does that make sense? I'm trying to be more relatable to you guys. Right? And so when we have a purpose, we have a reason to be and we have a reason to do. Right? Okay, and so, uh, anyways, I'm going to talk about maturity, okay? Spiritually maturity, spiritual maturity is simply, it's very easy, okay? It's Christ-likeness, okay? It's not that hard. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it says, It was he who gave some to be disciples, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service that they, or that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, okay? So from that passage, we can take that maturity is Christ-likeness, okay? And surprise, surprise, I'm feeling, uh, to a certain extent, a lot of you guys already knew that. Oh, duh, like, you know, maturity, to be mature is to be like Christ, right? I want to be more like Christ, right? Um, But, you know, I want to ask you, are you living in Christ-likeness? Are you maturing every day, Right? And so I think a common misconception is that the end goal of the church is evangelism. A lot of us think that uh, the end goal to the church is evangelism. uh, But really, the ultimate goal of the church is not evangelism. Okay, that is our mandate as saints. Christ calls us to evangelize, right? Go make disciples of all the earth, right? But uh, the ultimate goal is stated by Apostle Paul when he wrote, We proclaim him, teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect or mature in Christ. So we evangelize to those. Why? Because we want to present them perfect, mature in Christ. So that is the end goal of the church. It's not to just evangelize. The end goal is to present everyone mature. This is why your pastor has leadership trainings and leadership structure. Because he wants to present you to Christ, right? In, in, uh, perfect in Christ, right? And so God's purpose is to produce disciples who reflect the perfect humanity of his son, 
Okay? People who love others condition- unconditionally. Not conditionally, unconditionally. People who will forgive people freely. People who will serve selflessly, right? And so that is the end goal of being a Christian, okay? So I'm going to break down this passage, right? Paul begins verse 3 by saying, More than that, we rejoice in sufferings, okay? It is a mark of great grace when we can accept trials and, ex- and tribulations and suffering, but it's a higher state of grace when we can welcome those things and say, dang, I'm about to level up in my faith. Dang, I'm about to go up uh, a class, a grade in class, in, in the class of faith, right? Because God's about to teach me something that I never knew before. God's going to do a deep work in my heart that I couldn't have gone through before, right? So it's crazy. If you can say that, it's great grace upon you if you can say that and welcome that. How many of us welcome tribulations and welcome sufferings because we're going to graduate and go higher in faith not many of us right right and when apostle paul tells us rejoice in sufferings we rejoice in our sufferings we can trust apostle paul why because he's a man that went through a lot of suffering he's gone through a lot of things that we have we'll probably never face in our life i wrote a list okay so these are some things that he dealt with he was beaten with rods three times He was whipped with 39 lashes five times. He was attacked by an angry mob. He was shipwrecked three times, under arrest for two years without trial, and uh, bitten by a viper. That's like a poisonous snake. Okay, so how many of us been through any of those things? No, right? So we can believe and trust Apostle Paul when he says, we we welcome suffering. I welcome suffering. We must welcome suffering, okay? So Apostle Paul says, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, okay? The first key to maturity is suffering. Everyone say suffering. suffering. That sounds really morbid. Suffering. Um, like I said before, now when I'm explaining these four keys, I'm going to go back and forth between the ESV, right? The English Standard Version and the King James Version. Only because different translations of the word uses different words, right? Um, they use different words. You guys know that, right? Right. And so um, because... Uh, they all come from the same Greek root word, but the English word is different. So that's why I'm going to use that to explain to you guys better. Okay. So in the ESV, they use the word suffering, but in King James version, they use tribulation, right? It's pretty much equal, right? Everyone knows what suffering means, right? Suffering sucks, right? Suffering sucks. It's the state of undergoing pain, distress, and hardship. How many of you guys are experiencing some suffering in your life right now? Raise your hand. It's okay. Oh, two people, three people, four people? Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> All right, suffering, okay? Um, right, how many people are experiencing suffering in your life? Come on, let's be honest. All right, okay. All right. Well, that's good because God is doing something in you, all right? So, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, but we're going to get a better understanding of what suffering, why we need to suffer after we learn our second point, okay? So our second key is endurance. Okay, or in the King James Version, it's patience, okay? Patience, that's the second key. So the reason why we have to suffer through trials and hardships in life is because we can't experience patience or endurance if there's nothing to be patient about or endure through, right? How can we get patience? How can we get endurance if we don't have anything to be patient about or to endure through, right? You can't learn to be patient without having to endure something, right? Am I right? Right? But how many of us, when we get to this place, something sucks, we're suffering, everything's really hard, and God calls us to remain, to endure, to be patient through it, to get through it, to not give up, but we give up, 
We're like, God, we start complaining. God, I can't do this anymore. God, I don't want to go to church anymore. God, I don't want to go to family anymore. God, I don't want to go to large group anymore, right? How many of us doing, how, much, how many of us do that, right? But uh, yeah, we need to endure. We need to fight through it because God is doing something, right? We need to endure through it. So suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, or in the King James Version, experience, okay? Okay, um, so the third key is character or experience, okay? And so I know when I was reading these different versions, I don't understand how one version will say character and one version will say experience. So I was very curious, and so I looked it up for you guys, and I'm going to give my best explanation why, okay? So in the Greek, the root word used in both, in both of the words, experience and character, is dokime. Say dokime. Dokime. Oh, you guys just learned Greek. Come on. Dokime means a tried or approved character, proof of genuineness, approval through testing, or tested and true. Okay? So here's the thing with Greek words. Greek words, they have the same root, right? There's this w- Greek word in, the, word in the Greek, but if you translate it to English, it means a billion different things. Right? It means a billion different things. So there's a billion different English words for one Greek word. Why? Because that one Greek word it's so dense, and it means so many things. It's so complex that uh, it just has a wide range of English words to describe what it is, okay? And so the reason why there's so many different translations of uh, dokime, and it means different things, and even in this scripture, one means experience, one means character, is because the author of the different translations chose what they saw was best, what fit best in their translation of that word, okay? And so... Uh, when Paul says endurance produces character or patience produces experience in the other translation, what he means is your experience of enduring through sufferings will add unto your character, right? Your experience of enduring through those sufferings will add onto your character, right? Through the experience of perseverance, enduring through hardship, being patient through suffering, our character forms. Can you guys agree? Right? Our character forms who we are. Who we, who we are becomes, uh, is a result of the things that we've been through, right? So let me explain this in a simpler way, okay, to explain experience. Um, people call themselves sometimes experienced babysitters, right? Experienced babysitter. What does that mean that you are experienced? An experienced babysitter, it means you've babysat before. It means you've been tried and tested as a babysitter, Right? You are a genuine, proven babysitter because you've babysat before. And when you tell someone, I'm an experienced babysitter, they can believe you, right? Because you've babysat before, right? You're experienced. Same thing. If you're an experienced Christian, we can assume that you've been Christian for a while, right? That you've probably been through some things. That you've been through the Christian life, the good things and the bad things, right? Experienced Christian, okay? And so that's why the the different meanings are uh, tried and tested character, right? Experienced. So your experience during the time of enduring the pain and suffering will shape who you are. Sometimes we say, yeah, I'm who I am today because of the things that I've been through. A lot of us say that, right? I am who I am today because of the experiences of my past, right? My character, who I am, is because of my past, because experiences, the things that I've faced before. Uh, So that's because there's a direct correlation between your experiences in life and the building up of your character. This is why the dokimei is there, and it could be translated into experience and character. Does that kind of make sense to you guys? It's not the exact translation, but it, it correlates with one another, right? Okay, so suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, right? So tribulation produces patience, and patience experience. So the final key is hope, okay? Say hope. 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 Okay, we're almost done. It's short. It's very simple. 
right? So, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, right? Or we can say our experiences produce hope. That's the King James Version. Our experiences produce hope. What does that mean? Our experiences, our experience of the Lord's goodness in the past leads us on to hope for still greater things in the future, right? That's why our experience leads to hope. Our experience of God's goodness in the past will put us in greater faith for the future of what God can do in our lives, right? The hope that we gain through this process is not a hope that will be disappointed, okay? What we've experienced in our lives, the character that has come from the testings and trials um, that we've overcome with patience and endurance should leave us with a greater faith and a hope that we can overcome anything that is to come, right? That is the kind of hope that you should be left with after you go through this kind of testing, right? After you go through endurance, okay? So greater hope should be a natural result of all this. So I'm sure you've seen experienced Christians, uh, but it seems like their experience has worked them, like left them with despair, right? Their faces are long. They're really sad. They're disappointed. They are very pessimistic and very sad. They look defeated, right? Uh, But true Christian experience should produce a hope, a hope that does not put us to shame, Right? We don't look like we're in shame because of the love of God in our hearts, right? And the assurance that we have through the Holy Spirit, right? The assurance of God's love for us through the Holy Spirit, right? So the rhythm of maturity or the keys to maturity are suffering, endurance, character, and hope, okay? Those are the four keys to maturity. It's a very simple message that I want to break down for you guys. But when we examine the life of Christ, he went through this same process, okay? He's not exempt from this process, right? And we know that Christ, by the, when he was crucified and he left this earth, he was complete, right? He was not lacking in anything. He was complete. He finished what he had to do on this earth. He was fully mature, right? He was perfect, right? But think about his greatest suffering when he was hanging on the cross. Christ endured the cross for our sins, a suffering that only he could have experienced, right? None of us can experience that suffering that he went through. Yet it was in this act of love that we are given hope. Okay, through his suffering and his experience of suffering and enduring on the cross, we are given a hope, right? That sins can no longer separate us from the love of God. That we can overcome all obstacles in our lives victoriously. And that we can have everlasting communion with God, right? In heaven. Okay? So this is what I wanted to leave you guys with this semester, right? It's because my, my heart as a CD is, yes, to see you guys encounter the Holy Spirit, uh, to build unity, to love one another, yeah, but it's to present you guys perfect before Christ, mature in Christ. And so I know that um, I want you guys to know that everything you go through in this life is for your own good because through the experience, you're going to be more like Christ in the end, right? And so when you go home or for those of you that are staying for Sabbath season, when you don't have Emmaus, you don't have Nephili, you don't have your familiar leaders, you don't have your disciple or meeting with you every week, right? You don't have... Uh, this community of friends. You don't have friends that are actually living for Christ. Fear, God-fearing Christians, right, that are around you. You don't have that anymore, right? And things start, you know, things start sucking, right? Suffering starts to happen. Old sin patterns start to come back. You might get some weird reactions from your non-Christian friends because you changed so much. You might face persecution from your parents because of your faith, right? Whatever trials may come, it's happening to strengthen you, Right? And this life, when we accepted Jesus, he never promised that it's going to be easy and peachy, right? It's for our good. The sufferings that come big or small, it's to 
Teach us endurance. Teach us patience, right? To give us a character, a godly character, so we can hope in Christ and be mature, right? So we can be presented mature before Christ, okay? And so what he's doing is he's teaching you to, te- uh, to put your trust and hope in Jesus, right? And not anything else. And at the end of the day, there's nothing that you will face or you have faced that no one else before you has, hasn't before, right? That Christ hasn't faced before. You're not the only one in your sufferings not the only one in the trials that you are facing, right? And so I wanted to leave you guys with this. This is the one thing I wanted to leave you guys, right? And so um, I just want to say, if you are suffering and going through things, it's okay. It's good. Stop complaining so much because you're going to grow from it. You're going to come out of it stronger, right? And so this is my last words of maturity for you guys.